was reminded of um, a word that Richard shared at our outdoor gathering. He had this picture of a man sitting on a bench with Jesus. And he was so excited because he's like, oh, I finally get a chance to ask Jesus all these questions that I have, that I've been longing to ask Jesus. Um, and remind me how the word goes. I think Jesus was crying. He was crying. So Jesus was sitting there and the man was asking Jesus and Jesus wasn't really responding to his question. Eventually he noticed that Jesus was crying. And he said, well, why are you crying? And Jesus was looking at all the people walking past. They didn't yet know him. He's saying, my heart's breaking for them. And I have that sense for us as a church right now. So if you've got ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, hear what he's saying. Yes, we've got lots of things that we're busy with and even lots of questions we may have for the Lord about what's going on in our lives. And he does care about our questions. But his heart is breaking for the city. His heart is breaking for the lost. The reality is this is a temporary home for us. Our home is in, in heaven with him our eternal home. We're just passing through here. And so even church is for us. But actually, it's the primary vehicle through which God reaches the world. And so that word that Abel just shared, I really resonate in my spirit that the Lord is wanting us to be a praying people. And our prayer would be, Lord, would you impress on my heart the things that are on your heart? May I be a vessel of oil that could be poured out to those who don't yet know you. Amen? Is that cool? Load shedding caught me unawares this morning, so I wasn't able to print. <laughs> so I've got my uh, notes on my phone here. But um, maybe we can just start by putting the, the passage up that I felt the Lord wanting to encourage us with this morning in Philippians chapter 1. You can just put up verse 1. So a few weeks back, I, I filed a message for us, um, don't follow your heart, follow Jesus. Do you remember that word? And the emphasis of that word really was that sometimes we do follow our hearts more than we think, but actually our hearts lead us astray because our hearts have got mixed motivations. And so don't follow your heart, follow Jesus. This is almost like the counterpart to this, that word, the other side of the story, where I feel like God wants to speak to us through this passage. I'll just read it and then I'll pick some things out of it. But the Lord kind of shifted the emphasis of this message for me this morning while I was praying, even while we were praying before the service. So it's kind of a, kind of a slightly different message than it was supposed to be, in my mind anyway. So this first passage, um, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi. And it's now the book in the Bible called Philippians. Um, but it started, don't forget, as a letter to a church that was read out on a Sunday morning. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. It is written to all of God's people in Philippi who believe in Christ Jesus and to the elders and deacons. Oh. Is that the NLT? Go eh? Yeah. Okay. In another version, I'll read it here. It's another version of NLT, possibly the other. To all of God's holy people, in another version, who belong to Christ Jesus. In this one, it says, who believe in, in Christ Jesus. I, I just felt um, 
that the Lord wanted to remind us this morning that we, we belong to Christ Jesus and that we are His holy... Now, all of the emphasis got lost because of a different, uh, different rendering of the verse. But the, I felt like the Lord wanted to speak over us this morning what He's done and what He is doing in you. What He has done and what He is doing in you. So nice to see you, Zanel. What God has done and what He is doing in you. But I actually felt Him shift the corporate, to the corporate emphasis. What He has done and what He is doing in us. To the church that meets in City Bowl. That we are God's holy people who belong to Christ Jesus. You can go to verse 4. I always pray for you and make my requests with a heart full of joy. Because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. You can just leave that up there. I felt like the Lord wanted to say this to you. So I'm going to read it not to the Philippians now, but to you. God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. God started a work in you when you responded to the gospel. And God is still working in you. Isn't that encouraging? If I think of that for me, God started a good work in me, and He is still working in me. That is the most encouraging thing for me as a Christian, because if God is not working in me, I'm done. If He did, not only did a work, but is continuing to do a work, and will continue to do His work in me until the work is finished, I'm done. My confidence in the fact that I will run this race till the end, and not fall away. My confidence is in the fact that he who started a work in me is not going to stop working until he's done. That's where my confidence lies. It's encouraging, hey? I say this because there's that verse. Maybe you can put it up now. Philippians, it's the next chapter. So this is Philippians 1 we just read. Philippians 2 says this in verse 12 to 13. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Sometimes we get stuck on the first verse, that I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And we do. But why? Because... God who works in me is working and will continue to work and as we read before, will not stop working until he's finished the work in me. And so what I've found is when you become a mature believer, your emphasis shifts to the first verse and, neglect, and you can easily neglect the second verse because we become good at stewarding our hearts and doing all the things we need 
we know needs to be done for me to work out my salvation. But it's only possible because he never stops working in me. He never stops working in me. There's another verse in Romans. You can put it up. Romans 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's God's power at work in me, at work in you. He's working to save you. Isn't that encouraging? You can just put up that verse that we put up there in the beginning, verse 4 to 6, Philippians 1, verse 4 to 6. I wanted to just encourage you. It says about this church, and you'll find out a little bit now. I'll share a little bit more of the story just now. He says to this church, You have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. This church was very proactive in sharing the gospel. Do you know when they started becoming proactive in sharing the gospel? At what stage of their maturity in Christ? When you first heard it. And as you read the story just now, you'll realize, realize how like they really started when they first heard the gospel. And I wanted to just encourage you. If you are one days old as a Christian, you've got a testimony to tell. And you've got the good news to share of what the Lord has done in your life. Many of us have got this burning desire to share about Jesus. And I want to say, don't let anyone or any person discourage you. When you are one day as old as a Christian, you've got a, a story to tell of the goodness of God. And this church was very proactive in doing that. And it says they became partners in sharing the gospel. It's interesting because it doesn't, if you read the story of Paul, it doesn't seem like he really needs any partners. He's like a one-man army. He's like a, he's like a whirlwind, one-man whirlwind. Because he achieved so much with his life. But he's saying to this church, you became partners with me. This whole church became partners with me in sharing the good news of the gospel. And Paul said that. And the reality is that there's this partnership which God has called us into in the kingdom. There's a kingdom partnership that we have been called into. I want to say to you sitting here. The Lord has called you into partnership with me and with us as a church to share the good news of the gospel. Isn't that cool? Jesus, for some reason, has decided to call us into partnership with him. And it's as each person partners with Christ. Unfortunately, the word partnering, I realized, in TV uh, Christian circles, Christian TV circles, has gotten distorted. Whenever somebody as a televangelist talks about partnering with me, you just know, oh, here comes the bank details rolling across the screen, right? But this partnership in the gospel has got to do with the fact that we have been called to partner with each other to share the good news of the gospel with the city that we've been put into. And so Paul says to this church, God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. But it's crazy how true that was. When I'm going to tell you the story now of how this church 
came to be saved. So this church was in the province of Macedonia. Macedonia, the, 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 the Roman Empire had different provinces. This church in Philippi was a city called Philippi, and it was in the province of Macedonia. And so Paul was on a, on a, on a missionary journey, and he had plans of where he wanted to go. And then he had a vision of this Macedonian man calling to Paul to come and help us. And so Paul woke up with this vision and he shared it with his team. And he said, I think God wants us to change our plans and go to Philippi and, and share the gospel with them. So they did. The next day, I think they set off for Macedonia. And when they got there to Philippi, they usually started in the synagogues and would preach the gospel to the Jews first. And usually they would reject them and then they'd go and preach to the Gentiles. But when they got to Philippi, it seems like there weren't even enough Jews to have one synagogue. There wasn't even a synagogue to go to. So they went to outside the city next to the river where I think they had heard the Jews met together because they didn't actually have an indoor building to meet. That is how few Jews were in this area, let alone believers in Christ. And he shared the gospel with the few people that were there. And the Bible says that there was a woman called Lydia. And as he was sharing the good news of the gospel, the Bible says the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the good news of the gospel. And she became a believer. And then her whole family, her whole household be believed as well. They also got saved. And it sounds like, it doesn't give us an exact timeline yet, but it sounds like within a few days or within a few weeks, Paul um, prayed for a woman who was a fortune teller. And she would tell the future by demons, by the power of demons. And Paul, in this radical encounter, prays for this woman and she gets immediately delivered of a demon, which is wonderful news for her. But she was a slave that used to make a lot of money for her slave owner through her gift. And there was this riot that broke out. And it was in persecution of this new message. The gospel was being preached in Philippi for the very first time. And immediately this persecution, and this whole city got thrown into a riot. And so Paul and, uh, I forget if it was Timothy or Silas, does anyone remember? I think whoever his partner was, got thrown into prison. They were beaten for the gospel. They were thrown into prison. And they, they continued to worship God even in prison. And God rocked the whole prison with an earthquake. The doors popped open. And anyway, long story short, the jailer gets saved. So you had Lydia who got saved at the river. And then you had the jailer. And then the whole jailer's family got saved radically. And then Paul left. That's how the church started. And you think, good grief. I mean, I'm very pastoral. I'd be thinking at that point, okay, cool. So there's Lydia and her family, right? And then there's the jailer and his family. That's a great start. So you've got two families. A lot of discipleship needed at this point because they've just gotten saved. And Paul's off. Okay, guys, you've heard the gospel now. Anyways, you've seen what's happened. I have to be on my way. <laughs> and he writes this this letter to the Philippian church, which is quite an ambitious title considering what's just happened. And he says, The Lord, who started a good work in you, the Lord, 
clearly started this work in you. I wasn't even supposed to come here. The Lord redirected my path because he wanted you to hear the message of the gospel. And then I moved on. But the Lord has started a good work in you and he is going to continue that work in you until he's finished working in you. At that point, you realize Paul had a lot more faith than than I do. Because at that point, I'd be like, Lord, I don't know what your plan was. Clearly it failed because I had to leave before I had the chance to disciple anyone. I couldn't even leave somebody there to help disciple them. But I want to say to you, you know, like the fact that you heard the gospel, the fact that you responded to the gospel is for the exact same reason as this Philippian church. The Lord set you up through friends, through family, through people around you. God had a plan to save you. It wasn't an accident. God had a plan to save me. It was a supernatural setup that you, God opened your heart. Just like he did with Lydia, he opened my heart to receive the gospel, to believe the gospel, to receive the good news about Christ. And God started a work in you, and he will finish his work. Yes, we have our own working out of our salvation, but God works in me. God works in you, and he's not done yet. Isn't that exciting? God has put his spirit in you, the power to save you and he's faithful and God has for us as a church God has started a work in us as a congregation God has done something here in this city and he's still going to keep working and he's still going to keep saving and he who started a good work in us is going to bring it to a completion when Jesus returns isn't that cool I find that so encouraging and so the reason why you are able to hear God's voice. It's because he's put his spirit in you. That's why. His power. The reason why you have desires for the things of God. It's not because you're a nice person. It's because the Holy Spirit lives in you. God is putting his desires in your heart. The reason why you are convicted of sin is because his spirit is living inside of you saying, that's not, that, that's not my heart. And so it's no longer your heart. The reason why you have power to overcome the evil one is because of Christ living in you. Isn't that encouraging? In Ezekiel, there's this prophetic word prophesying what would one day happen through Christ for you and for me. I want to read it in Ezekiel chapter 36. And as you read this, think of yourself and others like you. This is what God is doing. This is what he has done. And this is what he wants to do. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. That's what baptism symbolizes, by the way. That right there is what baptism is all about. It's a symbolic action of what Christ has done. In me and you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers and you will be my people 
and I will be your God. Christ has cleansed you. He's washed you. He's made you clean. Christ has given you a new heart, a soft heart, a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. What does that mean? It means my heart wants to yield to him now, whereas before I just wanted to rebel. That's what a soft heart is. He says, I will put my spirit in you. I love the verse 27. I will put my spirit in you. Listen to this. And, and move you to follow my decrees. I actually forgot about this when I was praying this morning in worship. Don't be unmoved. Christ moves your heart. Isn't that cool? I will move you to follow my decrees. That's why we talk about being born again. When I'm born again, he gives me new desires. Gives me a new heart that loves to follow him, that longs to follow him. And I find myself being moved by God to love things, to do things. That's why it says to will and to act according to my good purposes. I am working in you to will and to act. I will move you with the things that move me. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Christianity is responding to the move, the prods the desires, the draw of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from us. It comes from Him. And so the picture is of a seed being planted in soil. Have you noticed that soil is made up of decaying, rotting matter? It's dead. We were dead in our sins. Death, decay, rotting, depravity, rebellion. Into that soil, the gospel has taken root. The power of God to live a new life. And that seed is growing in me. It's growing in you. The kingdom of God is birthed in me from the inside out. He moves me. He changes me. He transforms me. Sometimes we get discouraged because we feel frustrated like, I should be more holy than I am now. I shouldn't be wrestling with the things I'm wrestling with now. I should love more God more than I do right now. If you feel discouraged, remember what I'm telling you this morning. God started a work in you. And he will not finish his work until he's done. He is transforming you. He is making you new. He is moving you in the right direction. If your heart has grown cold, don't despair. He can make it warm again. He's the one that birthed your, your passion for Jesus in the first place, and he can rebirth it. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so, because he's also done it a thousand times in me. When my heart is cold, I say, God, you are the one who put your passion in my heart in the first place. It's gone. Bring it back again, Lord. And he does. Again and again, he rebirths his passion so that I love him as much today as I did Whenever I got saved in the first place, I can never remember. Galatians 5. Now that we've received a new heart, now that we've been born again, says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Then we're going to skip to verse 22. Very famous passage. The fruit of the Spirit. 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so it's saying, once you've been born again, what do you do then? You keep following the Spirit. Life is found in the Spirit. It's interesting that it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Holiness is the fruits of His Spirit in me. They come from the Holy Spirit. It's because of His Spirit in me that I can live a holy life, that I can love, that I can be patient and self-controlled. And so I want to end with that verse and a little passage from Revelation. In that verse in Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, He will continue His work until it is finally finished. And when will He be finally finished? On the day of Christ Jesus. I wanted to just put up a little passage which gives us a glimpse of that day. In Revelation 19, it's this beautiful, beautiful passage that I want to just leave us with. The purpose, the whole point of us being worked on. (laughs) Why is He working in us? He's preparing us for this day. On that day, He will be finished. And He's not going to stop until this day. Then I heard what sounded, so this is a glimpse into, into heaven. A a multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. This is that moment. This is a prophetic glimpse of that moment when Christ will finally have finished His work in you and finished His work in me. Why? What is He preparing us for? He's preparing for us for this day to be a pure, spotless, radiant bride. That is what He's preparing us for. And He is not going to stop until that day comes. That's the point. Holiness has a reason. It has a purpose. Purity has a reason, has a purpose. It's preparation for that day. He's preparing us to be His bride. He Himself is holy. He Himself is pure. He's making us a bride who will be fit for Him. That is why He's at work in us. Does that make sense? That is why He's changing us and transforming us. It's not just an arbitrary thing. It's for a purpose. It's for a reason. It's for that day. And so this morning... What I, wanted, what I felt the Lord highlighting in us, the difference between a Pharisee and so many of the people who encountered Jesus and were transformed with a passion for Him was that we would always remember that our righteousness comes from Him. Self-righteousness, it doesn't sound that bad, but it's repugnant to Jesus. Self-reliance, self-righteousness, pride. It comes when we shift our focus from the work that God is doing in me to the work that I'm doing for Him. Yes, we're working out our salvation, but that's 
not what's changing us. What's changing us is His power working in me. His grace is transforming me. It sounds like a subtle and small difference. It makes all the difference. All the difference. That no matter how many years I'm following Jesus, I remember, Jesus, it's your work in me that's changing me, that's making me ready for salvation. Amen? Let's maybe just pray.